Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, it's us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Joey Clark. Uh, welcome to it. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. We, we have a lot of fun on this show. Tuesday nights are turning into a serious show, and I think we'll still have a little fun tonight. But uh, De'Anthony, De'Anthony Turner. Uh, yes, sir. You messaged me this morning. Oh, yeah. And you said you wanted to talk about uh, Zoe, Stephon Clark. And I was like, immediately, I'd, I'd just woken up when that's <laughs> I was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> but first, you doing all right, man? Yeah, man, my, my back. I don't know, I, I've been in the gym lately, man. My back killing me. But Likewise. Other than that, yeah. My, my obliques here. Yeah. I've been doing too much of that yoga. I'm doing yoga. Yoga and, and drinking don't go together. That's, I think that's what <laughs> right. it is. Drinking and Pilates, man. They don't go together. <laughs> no. No. Well, actually, I know a few women where it does. Wine oh, and Pilates yeah. definitely go together. Yeah, well, wine go with everything when a woman. Yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> that's their self-medication. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, I, I kind of wanted to start this off this way. It's like I was, I woke up at 2 in the morning, like a, two, three months ago. Yeah. And I could hear gunshots. Whoa, man. But it, it was far away. There was enough of an echo where I'm like, okay, that's like a mile away. Mm. Uh, but imagine, folks, that you wake up in the middle or the, of the night or you're sitting at home in your living room. You hear gunshots in your backyard. So you think, I better call the police. Right, right. Turns out the gunshots come from the police, and the people, well, the person they shot was your grandson. Mm. That's the situation in Sacramento, from a personal perspective. Yeah, man. It's sad, you know, like, first off, to have someone shot in your backyard, and then not to know what's happening to hours later, and not to even be notified by the police that it's your grandson shot in the backyard. Just, you know, hey, it's a crime scene going on. Don't look out the window. And so happen you look out the window and you see your grandson laying there with a cell phone next to him. That's heartbreaking. It has to be... I just can only imagine what went on through her head when she saw, you know, his lifeless body sitting on the back patio, man. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, and it uh, happened, I guess it's now last week. Yeah. And... uh you know, when it first came out, we had the audio, and I was waiting on the body cam footage. That recently came out, mm-hmm. and I watched that this morning. And, uh, you know, the first few minutes of the body cam footage is pretty boring. They're yeah, kind of yeah. talking to neighbors. We've yeah. gotten calls. I think... And you really can't see much. The situation, you know, you can't see much. And the situation is, I believe, a helicopter. They claim to have spotted somebody trying to break into cars. Uh, you can see on the body cam, all of a sudden, one of the officers starts running, the guy yeah, with yeah. the camera. And you can see Zoe hopping the fence. Yeah. It's the fence into his grandmother's into his backyard. Grandmother's yard. And the police enter into the backyard, and they say, show us your hands. But before they even finish that sentence, they say, gun, gun, gun. And and just shoot. <laughs> and it's crazy, man, because it's dark. And he and he runs. When, at the first sight of the police, uh, he's going to the, to the, to the, 
the side window. Uh, and even as you hear the grandmother's talks, she says that uh, when she goes and notifies her, her husband that somebody's shooting outside, he says, I hear somebody calling my name. Somebody saying, uh, Paul, Paul, Teddy P, or whatever his name was. Mm. And uh, in actuality, he's trying to let his granddad know, hey, open the garage door. I'm trying to come in. Uh, but then he sees police saying, freeze, show me your hands. So it's dark. When you see right. cops initially, man, you're going to all, okay. Uh, and then the next thing they're saying is gun and shooting. is like you had a split second to really do anything. What goes on through your mind in that split second from show me your hands to, oh, he has a gun to 20 shots being fired? Yeah, that's apparently the new rule. It used to be the, the double tap. Yeah. Uh, two to the, the body, but now they're trained to unload their weapon. The train is cowards, man. Uh, I feel like, to me, it, the police, not not all police. You know, it's not its not all police that are bad. And it's not just white police or it's black police. It's, it's just a problem, period, with the police system, the justice system. For a cop to to fire 20 times or even empty your clip not knowing if you have if they have a gun or not not knowing what's going on but giving them the benefit of the doubt at all it's crazy that you are into uh, shoot 20 shots uh 10 shots per cop because it was two of them and both empty their clips 20 shots into a dark uh in a dark night and on a person which you don't really see what he has and then five minutes later before you even go and check out the body you're still yelling at a, a, death, a dead body. Show me your hands. Are you alive? Let us know. Are you okay before we can come? Really? Right. <laughs> well, and if you listen on the body cam footage, uh, the police are very, the cops are very amped up almost. Uh, they're fe- they're in fear for their lives. Of course. Which, uh, you know, I've had good discussions with, with police, and it, there are at times, and it is a problem, especially in this generation, a lot of police are not seasoned. Mm. I had one conversation with a guy named Louie. Uh, he said he had one opportunity. He was an NYPD uh, officer, and you know he had worked a lot of undercover stings. Right. He had, and he was trained in a lot of fighting techniques. And he said there was one moment in his career where he had a shot at one guy, and he would have he knew he would have been justified, yeah. legally speaking at least. And he decided not to, and he decided to roll around, flank the guy, and detain him that way. Because he, he realized, I can't have that on my conscience, and right. I can stop this situation and resolve the situation without anybody getting shot or killed. Yeah. And there's, I think a big discussion needs to be uh, training. Uh, and, I, and it's all this talk of training. I mean a complete overhaul. In a lot of other countries, you have to go through years of schooling. It's not just training for, like, on the job and the practical of realities of being a police officer, but it is learning the law. It is learning how to de-escalate situations. Exactly. And they have some of that now. I'm not going to deny it, but these sort of things keep happening. And to your point, why is it that we are now seeing um, so many situations as threats around every corner? Yeah, and, and, and it's like... I understand what you're saying, man, because, you know, cops have a dangerous job. And I, I'm not going to take that from them. Police have such a dangerous job. But so do firemen. But it's a fireman's job to bust down a burning building and go in there and risk his life to save another. Yeah. Cops have that same duty to save lives and not to put their self first, but to really, like you said, man, know the situation, know what's going on. If you suspect someone has a gun, I feel like deadly force should be the last resort. They're they're across a they're across a, a, a corner. 
so they can back up and say, hey, do you have a gun? Throw your gun. Or listen to what he's saying. Yep. You can really see if somebody's threatening. Or trust me, if he had a gun and really wanted to shoot, he would have shot. Right. Ain't nobody just going to hold a gun and knowing, waiting on you to shoot. He would have shot. Right. So there's no really way to justify he has a gun shooting him 20 times when you already cross a corner so you can block anything if it had to come. But I don't know, man. And then I think the, the, think the thing that made me more mad was them sitting, reloading the clip. <laughs> for right. five, waiting five minutes, reloading the clip. Let's wait on backup. And when they get there, handcuff a dead body. Well, and then after they realize it's not a gun, it's an iPhone, they ter- mute the body cam. You and can that, see them sitting there. Protocol. Yeah, they can see them. You, they're sitting there talking to themselves, but they mute it. And yeah. the, even the mayor of Sacramento is saying that's not protocol. It is. It just stinks to high heaven, and it's it's tragic. It's an ultimate tragedy. And I was wondering when you first learned about this. For me, when I first heard this story, I actually made the point that now the attorney with the family crump it made. Yeah, is it's so. Bitter. It's a bitter irony that you know the guy that Cruz that shoots up uh, the school in Parkland, he gets his day in court. Mm. And it's something about these mass shooters. The police already know they have a gun, so they approach it accordingly. But it's in these split second decisions where you don't know, and it's dark outside. Those guys never get their day in court. Yeah, it's kind of like what you said earlier. They send the rookies to these jobs, yeah. and the rookies. Not knowing how to react, but when it's something like, oh, somebody in a school shoot, they're going to send their best guys, the people who are trained to handle gun situations. And nine times out of ten, those people aren't going to react in a, in a deadly way. No, they're going to they're gonna lure the guy down. They're going to talk to him. They're going to make sure that he goes to jail and he's going to have his day in court. But these rookies who answer these or somebody's breaking in next door call, you just give them the job. Like, I feel like you should hold them all accountable, man. You should have, All of them should have the same training. Tasers, uh, uh, whatever, they have so many weapons on them that you should know how to apprehend a suspect or put a man down without killing him. Right. You know? Well, and I wanted to ask you, when you first saw this story, uh, how did you react? What, what did you feel like? Um, initially, when I, when I heard it on the news a week ago, because it happened, uh, I think, March 19th, uh, when I first heard about it, I blew it off because I'm like, it's something that we hear all the time. Ah, right. just another shooting, blah, blah, blah. But uh, it wasn't until a couple of days ago that I sat down and actually watched more on, on CNN. And, and that's when I, I heard Crump, who was also Trayvon Martin's parents, a lawyer, and he was talking about it. And then I just thought, and then the footage came out. And I'm like, wow, you know, like, they are dehumanizing a, a, a father, a person, a human being who does not have a gun, uh, and you, you, you never, you're never gonna hear anything from these cops. They're never gonna say anything. They're on administrative leave with their families, but they're the criminals. You know, I mean, the guy who was they were called about, the person who actually was, if anybody was breaking into cars, he's somewhere free, yeah, good, whatever. You no, know, he's somewhere okay. But this young black kid is dead, and. The cops are on administrative leave, living their life, drinking tea. Hey, not worried about anything because they're 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 attorneys and everything. That it just broke me, man. Uh, that still in 2018, stuff like this still exists, and it's crazy, you know. Uh, and then especially with happening, like you just said, the the school shooting. This guy's having his day in court, and not a couple of weeks later, uh, this guy with nothing, no gun, no nothing, a father, a, a fiance, a grandson. Loses his life because of a, a hunch. Yeah. And a terrible split-second decision. 
And I think being, again, too amped up, too ready to go, not thinking it through, not taking a breath. And uh, this is why there, there needs to be um, more training because it keeps happening too often. Um, now, I, I, I looked at this situation, and I, I try to put myself in, in everybody's shoes. Right, right. I really do. I, I try to say, you know, what is it like? Because I've actually been held at gunpoint twice in my life. Yeah. Both times by police officers. Mm. The you know the second time it was more they were trying to get somebody in an apartment down from my way. I right. walk out to take out the trash and there's a guy with a rifle in my face and like, I freeze. I mean like whatever you say. <laughs> um, but the uh, first time I was uh, we were making a silly movie, uh, cops and robbers kind of movie when I was in high school here in Montgomery, and I can actually pull up. There's still a video on YouTube. I'm in all black dress, paintball mask on, and I'm holding an airsoft Uzi. It's got a big orange tip on it. Yeah. And I'm standing like I'm a guard at a door. And in the video, you can see this nondescript van pokes its head around the corner and then pulls back. And we see a cop car pull up, and we say, well, we're probably not supposed to be filming like this. We're not supposed to have, like, police shirts. So yeah. we'll put everything up. And... We hear this crunch, crunch, crunch on the gravel going around the corner. It's three police officers with their guns trained on us. But they do this, Dan. They, they have it trained, and they go, what the hell? They put the guns up, and then pull them back up. And then another cop comes around the corner hauling ass, telling everybody to get on the ground. Essentially, somebody called in and thought we were doing a, like armed robbery. And after everything's all said and done, we were allowed to be there. Uh, this one officer walks up to me and kind of puts his finger in my chest. He goes, you know, I'm a shot you, son. <laughs> I'm like, what? It's crazy, man. And it was like a... Like, I've told other officers this to go, what the hell is that guy's problem? Like, there's something about it. And again, we're not trying to... Uh, it's not a blanket statement. No, but no. But there's some type... People are a little too uh, cowboy when it comes to this stuff. I think people actually become cops to shoot people or to be, you know, able to and and I'm gonna take the story that you just gave, man, and and I'm 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 gonna say he the guy po poked you and said you could have been killed. Yeah. And y'all were just out there shooting with your with your what was a toy like a toy nerf gun. Yeah, and we had cameras and we're making a little stupid movie. But a couple years ago a twelve year old at with a toy gun gets killed on a park. Yep. You know what I'm saying? They didn't give him the benefit of no type of doubt. Tamar Rice. Tamar Rice. Tamir Rice. And it's and it's crazy. Tamir. And then we look and say, what is the difference between a 12-year-old black child with a toy gun playing on a park, not bothering anybody, who doesn't get the benefit of the doubt, but then Joey Clark? You know what I'm saying? Oh, I've had that thought. I thought if I had looked different, would we have been yeah. given the Yeah, and, and it's nothing doubt. against you. It's just... No. it's. It's the way these cops are trained. They're trained the same way they've been trained from the 40s to the 50s to the 60s to now. It's this mentality they have that they de de they don't humanize us. They they treat us they treat some black people like animals. And it goes back from even Hillary Clinton, from what she said in office years ago. Super predators. Super predators. Yeah. And they look at us as that such. Now, I'm scared of some Negroes. I ain't gonna lie. Some right. black people can give me the heebie jeebies. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So I can understand it, but come on, man. It's some all white people aren't good, all black people aren't good. You have to give people yeah. the benefit of the doubt before you resort to deadly force. That's it. That's all we're asking for. We're not asking that you take it easy on blacks or white. We're asking that all people be shown the same courtesy. 
Well, and did you know the there was a police involved shooting today in Montgomery? Yeah, oh. uh, the they were called there, two investigative police uh, show up to the scene. They're looking for a stolen car. They find the car. They approach the person in the car, and the person in the car tries to pull off, and it drags one of the officers under. Mm. So the other officer fires into the car, kills the person driving. Mm. And it just happened today, um, and because of just happened, we don't have any details. Yeah, we don't yeah, know the yeah. person in the car. We don't even know the officer's name. Well, it sounds like the officer did his job tonight. Yeah, and so there's <laughs> situations like that yeah. where it's like, and uh, I'm, I'm with you. I, and I think also a big problem in this nation is there are too many damn laws. Oh, yeah, man, and too many laws to discredit other laws. Yeah. And it's crazy. And... uh the NRA will never, ever be, you know, no, nobody's going to mess with the NRA because they make too much money off the guns. and uh, gun, yeah, yeah. gun control, man, I, I get tired of even talking about it because there's oh, yeah. nothing going to happen. Well, and, and my perspective on that is anytime you propose a law, you're threatening people with force, with a gun. Because exactly. you don't listen to those laws, it ends up where some police exactly. officer, some government agent is in your face. It's like, so you're going to use guns to take the guns. And nobody, and I know, that's hyperbolic. Nobody's saying, take all the guns. No. no. That's not the proposal right now. They have stricter gun control. Yeah. You know, I mean, I feel like it's too many too many kids or too many people out here with AR-15s and Dracos on the street, black and white. You know, if we take the, the guns out of the hood, it, 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 it will stop a lot of the violence and, and crimes in our neighborhoods. And that will actually put us on a straighter, straighter narrow path to where you don't really have to worry about all the violence and crime going on here. And if you take it away from these privileged white kids, they won't grow up going shooting these schools up. Like, gun control is something that is needed. It needs to be enforced, but it's not going to happen because they make too much money off it. They don't well, care. Well, and I, I don't think it will happen. But, I mean, I... I Actually, I'm a very strong proponent. I don't own any guns, number one. Yeah. But I'm, well, I own some pistols. Okay. I, I have to own some pistols. Right. But I, I'm a big believer in the Second Amendment. But when it's originally written, it's um, it's not a national thing. Yeah. And I very much agree with the idea that, say, New York City, Chicago, Montgomery, it's different. You might need different rules than, say, you're in rural Alaska or Montana right. or out in Elmore County somewhere. The police aren't going to be able to show up and protect you. you got to mm -hmm. be able to protect yourself. And uh, I, I, th I think the conversation about background checks is interesting. Mm. The age limit being raised uh, is interesting. Um, I don't know how much it, will, it would solve, to be honest, because when you go into the stats... Most of the gun deaths in this country are sadly, very tragically, uh, suicide. Yeah, yeah. And in places that don't have guns, like Japan, where they don't, they you have inc remarkable regulation. It's very difficult to get a gun in Japan. The suicide rate is about the same, maybe a little less in Japan, but people just use other means. Yeah, yeah. And so sadly, and I, I we had a teacher, a priest, sadly, who who committed suicide in that way when I was growing up in school. Uh, but when you take out those numbers, not self-inflicted, uh, I think it's it's a wash in the sense that you get people who defend themselves, mm. and you also get the terrible mass shooting situations. And it leads us back, though, and I think it is an important point I've heard people make, because I try to be open-minded. These last year, I've tried mm. not to be as ideological. Right. And I think a lot of the reason 
police training has gone in the direction it has, where you go from, say, a double tap to unload your clip, is because some criminals have more heavy-duty firepower. Yeah. And so a lot on the streets now, man. So the police are, are responding to a certain tiny segment of the population, tiny, and yet everybody gets kind of caught up in it. Mm. And sometimes it doesn't happen all the time, but if it's that split-second decision, and we were both saying off-air, these police officers probably aren't going to have any legal ramifications. Nah, but, man. They're going to get a slap on the wrist. Uh, they probably won't work again. Yeah, they're, no, they're, 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 they're right. going to find another job, but they're going to be straight. They'll probably even get protective custody right. so nobody go out you know, trying to hurt them. Uh, but it's crazy, man. And, 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 and to speak on the gun control thing, their solution nowadays is not let's try to make stricter gun control. Their solution is let's give the teachers guns. <laughs> let's arm yeah. the teachers in the schools. Like, come on, man. I could just see a teacher now shooting shooting the kid just because he, you know what I'm saying? I wouldn't give it to any old. <laughs> well, and I don't like, I've throughout this whole conversation, I didn't like the give the teacher a gun thing. I would prefer... Uh, you protect it like I mean, we, we have security at banks. Yeah, we have security, security at the airport. We have security at stadiums. We have security all over the damn just place. School security, not just with flashlights and walkie talkies. Right. And that's I would be all for that. And Montgomery actually does a has a lot of resource officers yeah. at every school. Now yeah. those are ones that don't have guns, but then you also have usually an MPD officer at a right, school. Right, right. Um, and luckily, we haven't had. Uh, Anything like that in Montgomery? Glad, man. I hope I hope it doesn't happen. Yeah, you know, it's it just. But it, it, I actually, you know, I was I write some on the side for some money. Was writing for a place called Anti Media. They're out of Los Angeles, and mm. they said, "Do you want to cover? We need somebody to cover police shootings." And I said, "I I don't want to do it." And it's not because uh, I don't feel for it. It's like it affects me to a way where I kind of become silent, which yeah. I don't like. But I get so torn apart by it. I'm like, I, I can't make sense of it. And sometimes I worry, and it, it doesn't just apply to this issue, it applies to a lot. Right. That we start trying to make policy based on split-second decisions that go wrong. Mm. And, and it's been happening too long, man. Uh, and it's not just the cops. It's, it's I really got drawn into it. Uh, and to the whole uh, the Black Lives Matter or, or the the police brutality, the the innocent black kids getting killed with Trayvon Martin. When that when that first happened, I got drawn into that the whole case, and uh, with George Zimmerman, hmm. and uh, how he's just a, a regular Joe who was told not to follow this kid, but still followed him, killed him, and became a celebrity afterwards, basically. Yeah, uh, and it's like wow. And then for, with Tamir, uh, Tamir Rice and Sterling Brown and Mike Brown, and it's just different cases, man. Philando Castillo. Yeah. And it just keeps happening, and, it's, and it keeps happening to where either you're going to get numb or you're going to get upset. Now, it's, I feel like it's going to get to a time, and God forbid, I hope it doesn't, but I know how, how black people can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the 70s, we, when they got tired of everything going on, the Black Panther uh, rose. Now... What, who's going to stop it? And, and it happened in, was it Orlando, when the guy went and killed the cops with the with the um, machine guns and just was going to... What, or this is the recent one? that was About a year or so ago. Dallas? Dallas, Texas. Yeah. That's where it was. Yeah. And, and, and what if we have more random stuff like that? God forbid it, but yeah. there's only enough so much people can take. Yeah. And it's, uh, I I hope it doesn't come to that. Because it, well, it, in my mind, number one, that doesn't help anything. It doesn't. And then, then we got a whole civil war because nobody wanted to really say, hey, accountability. 
Let's put the cop that killed this person with no justifiable reason behind bars so other cops can see, hey, I can't get away with it. Oh, and I think on the Philando Castile case, I think he was an NRA member. <laughs> he had a legal gun. He was following the officer's orders, and the officer, like, not snapped isn't the wrong word. It wasn't like, oh, I'm looking to kill somebody today, but he, like, freaked out that something bad's going to happen to me. And, I, and again, I don't know how you completely uh, stop that other than I think police, if you want to be a police officer, it needs to be treated like you have people's lives in your hands. It's different than you just... You need more than three months of training to yes, be a cop. Yes, and it's, it's different than if you're a legal gun owner. Yeah. Like, you own a gun... That's one thing if you're going to defend yourself. No, when you are an officer, you have the legal authority to be aggressive against others. There are some rules involved, but you have so much impunity given to you in order to carry out the law that you need, we need to be damn sure you are, we're talking about mental stability to just buy a gun, mental yeah. stability to be an officer. <laughs> I and, feel like, man, you just, I feel like the training should be different. You should do the police academy. They should train you on how to take down a subject without a gun. They should train you different ways with tasers, mace, uh, how to handle a situation, how to de-escalate a situation, how to talk to people. Yeah. I feel like you should. I feel like to become a cop, black people, black cops should have to go through the suburbs and interact with them, and white cops have to go to the hood and interact with them to get familiar with them. Yeah. Because if you're not familiar to the people you're policing, then you're afraid, and well, you don't know how to handle them. And I believe uh, Chief Finley here in Montgomery, he came from Atlanta, uh, that he is trying to do that where you actually get out of your police car, walk around, and get to know people. You have to. How can you be afraid of the neighborhoods that you're policing? Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? How do you not know the people? If this is your district, know these people. Hey, oh, he's he's at his grandmama's house. He's at his mama's house. He's not doing that. Let me check this out. Come on, man. Be in your neighborhoods. Don't just ride around in the car writing citations. Cops are supposed to protect and serve. Serve is something that we get out of. Yeah. We protect the people that call, but we don't serve nobody. Well, and, and I worry, especially with these uh, discussions, that it does become a... Uh, I know there are people out there now listening who want to say blue lives matter. Yeah. And it becomes, unfortunately, sort of this uh, this team game. Like, I'm on this team no matter what. And I worry that our point is that this has to be better for everybody. Of course. It's not about one side winning. It's about everybody, everybody winning. Everybody. And, and everybody's lives matter. Nobody's saying... Exactly, yes. Black lives matter also. That's all. That's all. You know what I'm saying? I, that's it. The yes. black lives matter. It, the, the name, we, we could twist it all the way. But all we are trying, they are trying to say is black lives matter also. Of course blue lives matter. Red lives matter. White lives matter. But who are, who's getting gunned down innocently? Murdered. Kids. Yeah. Well, we got to take a quick break. Let's go, man. We're already 34 <laughs> minutes into this. Oh, man. It goes fast. It goes fast. Well, folks, you're listening to Joey Clark Radio Hour alongside me, D'Anthony Turner. We'll be right back after this. Staple singer covering ELO Showdown. Okay. I love this cover. 
I love finding covers that are a little more soulful, a little more funky. Oh, yeah. And the, you know, music's always what I come back to. Oh, yeah, man. Music, music is, is, uh, is a healing tool for the times, man. Music has always been a, a, a something to heal you, make you feel better, get you out of whatever you're going through. Music is a mental thing, man. I love it. Well, and there's a historian I love. I'd recommend him. A guy named Thaddeus Russell. Right. Uh, you know, there's one theory of history that's kind of like the um, old, you know, the founders of the nation, the old industrialists, the spiritual leaders. Yeah. They all turn out to be kind of white folks. And then <laughs> you get the the new left comes along. They do revisionist history, like Howard Zinn did this, where it's it is civil rights leaders, it's labor leaders, it's feminists, and they yeah. told that history. And Thaddeus Russell started off in that camp, kind of as yeah. a left Marxist. And now he said, I want to do history from a completely different perspective from either of those two camps. He said, I want to know what most people, not the political activists, I want to know what most people in the United States just doing the living and dying were actually doing. Yeah. So he calls it a renegade history of the United States. Mm. And he makes claims like, why do we have the weekend? Because of drunks. Because <laughs> people trying to get people off the farm, coming into industrial labor. These guys would get paid you know, wages and money, but they also get paid with liquor. Yeah. So they would drink all weekend. They couldn't get them to work. So it's like, well, give them the day off. That's where they used to call it Blue Monday. Makes sense. Who were the first women to not dress in the Puritan way? Who wore colorful clothing, who carried guns, who made their own money, who ran the political systems of the West? prostitutes and madam <laughs> because they weren't going to do they had to do it all on their own he said and they didn't set out to change the world nah they hustlers but they just lived their life and he so he he talks about people that are usually the bad guys or looked down in american history and it's it's amazing uh what he comes a, along with uh it's it's eye-opening how much we owe to people just live their life yeah man and and we forget about the ordinary people yeah, we 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 so, we so much uh, we forget about the ordinary people, uh, you know that that like I tell people all the time, somebody got to work at McDonald's, somebody has to yeah. do, you know, some people have to do what they you know what they can do, man. Uh, there's so many people out here who are hustling and and doing their doing their due diligence, and we don't know who they are, well, even and, with history. Well, and I've I've woken up to a lot of things, uh, and I'm I don't really like to describe myself as woke, whatever. Um, I, I'm just Joey, but uh, I I was on these airways one night and it just kind of hit me. I'm like, because I was watching something on like Ancient Wonders of the World the night before. I'm like, why is there not like a 40, 50 foot tall MLK statue in this city? Right. And I looked it up. Do we have a statue at all? Nah. No. And so I found an article from a year before. And I thought it was funny while sad. But the funny part about it is, like, they asked all these city leaders, why is there not an MLK statue? And all of them. Like, it was a script. Went, I don't know. <laughs> like a kid caught doing something wrong. You know. Yeah. Because there are a lot of folks who ran this town who didn't want to celebrate it as they much. still don't. The secretly, they don't. But luckily, that's changing. Yeah, man. I mean, Montgomery itself is a predominantly black uh, city, anyways. It is. It is. Uh, one of the one of the probably blackest cities in Alabama, uh, and 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 I feel like my city, man, is so. We don't really have to deal with so much racism here because you know, what I'm saying I've. I've I don't know. We we have to deal with stuff out of the state, or out of you know, sometimes yeah. a different places in Alabama. But Montgomery, I'm so blessed to be from Montgomery. You know, we we talk about our city, and uh, and 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 
you know, we bash, especially me, uh, uh, us of people of color because of, you know, people trying to pull us down or whatever. But honestly, man, Montgomery's such a great city. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to be born here. I'm happy to be thriving here. I'm happy to be working here. I'm happy to be sitting across from Joey Clark oh, wow. at the radio station, Blue Water Broadcasting right now, man. Uh, I love my city, man. My city has is, is helped me, and uh, it's thriving. It's growing. It is. And uh, Montgomery's just... Just to me, a good place in Alabama. We should have an MLK statue We're somewhere. One. We're getting one. Oh yeah, yeah, it's happening this year, um, and then it, I believe it's going to be outside uh, Dexter Baptist Dexter. Cool, Avenue. cool, cool. Um, and then we also have the Equal Justice Center. Right. Open it up and that big concert's coming up. And we need to take the Confederate flag down going toward Birmingham. Yeah. Let's just burn that, you know. <laughs> I was watching a, um, my idea, and it was, it was a little radical, but my idea was uh, I was watching a documentary by Henry Louis Gates on Africa. And he wanted to sort of rewrite history in the sense that it's not just the history of the European colonists, imperialists come in and take over. He said there were there's this rich uh, culture uh, empires of their own within Africa. And he pointed out this... I can't remember the guy's name. I was watching it, and maybe I... I, I don't remember everything for some reason, <laughs> yeah. And uh, he said that after they conquered an enemy, yeah, they wouldn't denigrate the enemy. They would actually build a monument to the enemy, build up the enemy, and go, I defeated that. Uh. So my idea was, taken from that, put... MLK, put Abernathy, put other folks right. right next to those Confederate generals. Maybe make them a little taller. Yeah. I like, say, I like that. I like that. I think it's healthy for people to be able to go to the first White House of the Confederacy, then walk to Baptist yeah. Avenue Church. Yeah. I think it, it, it's a walk through history where you go, whoa. Now, there are some things downtown where you go, wait, that's the statue here? <laughs> There's and some rough things. It's still, like, close, you know? I mean, Montgomery is the place where you can walk to the White House of the Confederacy and then walk to the Rosa Parks Museum, and then you just see the, the history, man, and, and all of it is detrimental to what Montgomery and what Alabama is. Uh, and, you know, I love it. But uh, to speak about the Africa thing, man, yeah. Um, it's crazy because when when they when they made the movie Black Panther, and I, I feel like that's another reason why people were so excited yes. about the movie because even though it was a Marvel movie, even though it was a fiction, it it showed a piece of 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 history and, and but if they fictionalized it, but they showed some true sense, man, of what Africa really is. You know, uh, the home of resources for the for the world, uh, and 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 a lot of. Of history, man, and black excellence, and and world history, and it's just, and they made it in a movie, man, and they showed it, and Wakanda was such a beautiful place, and people went there for their resources, for for technology, and and you see these people, man, thriving, these kings, these queens, and although that's not talked about in the history books, that's real life where people come from. If you read the history book in school right now and you open it up, the first time you see a black face is on a slave ship. Yep. You know, and how's that world history? Well, I was I went uh, that opening weekend to Black Panther, and the line that got audible gasp or like cheers was the one Killmonger says right before he, he dies. dies. Yes, man. I was like, and it hit me. I thought it, uh, Coogler just made such a brilliant movie. Oh yeah, man. I feel like to me the whole movie was pivotal, but Michael B. Jordan's character. <sighs> probably stole the whole movie to me yeah. because you 
had this villain that you sympathized with. Like when you have a villain that you can damn near sympathize with, it it changes the whole dynamics of the film. And that last line before he died was was just signing the deal of who Killmonger was. When he died, you're like, damn. Like, bury me in the ocean where my ancestors were. You know, where my ancestors jumped because they knew death was better than bondage. And it, and it, and it, and it relates to a lot of stuff you go through, we go through now and, and where, where it's become. And th- that film was just great, man. I, yeah. I, I, I Shout out to Stan Lee, the whole Marvel team, Ryan Coogler, uh, who's a great di- young director, man. Uh, I'm looking forward to see what he could do with Creed, too. Yeah. Um, the movie was just great, and they just got beat out of number one uh, by Pacific Rim. It was, it was number one in the box office for five weeks straight, making over a billion dollars worldwide, beating out the first Avengers movie. So, I guess it had to be uh, it had to be Pacific Rim. <laughs> I know, <laughs> right? Had to be movie. Pacific Rim. Silly movie. <laughs> I know. I didn't really care for the first one, but uh, it's well, those types of movies are huge in China yeah. for some reason, and that's another reality we're gonna have to wake up to. <laughs> that most of the people in the world are not here. Nah. They're in Asia. Yeah. And so people trying to make money are going to appeal to those tastes. That's why you want to make everything sell overseas. That's why you want your, your, your movies to sell overseas. That's why Donald Trump wants to bring Chinese jobs here. I don't know why he wants to do that. <laughs> yeah. Don't nobody here want to work on the iPhone or the sneakers or nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't like Trump on trade. And we, we've talked about it. The only thing I really love about Trump is that he's kind of, when people talk about like the... He's he's uh he's coarsening our discourse. <laughs> How dare he say a dirty he slept with a porn star. Like I don't give a damn about all that. Come on, man, that's Trump. We knew who Trump was before right. Trump became president, so you shouldn't be shocked by anything. So let's have actual arguments on trade policy. Let's have actual arguments on yeah. immigration. Let's let's have actual arguments. And uh I mean a, a big part of why you mentioned something about Killmonger and you sympathize with the villain. The reason that's always so good is because we it's like the Hitler effect. Everybody right. likes to look at Hitler, who by the way, I was pointing out earlier today, you know, everybody does the I'm not gonna do it completely, <laughs> the Hitler, the Nazi salute, the Sig Heil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hitler would do kind of a lazy one. Where you go, Sig Heil to myself. I like to just think he's a little limp Sig Heil to myself. And but people like to think Hitler is so evil that nobody would ever be like that again. Yeah. And if I was in Germany, I would never go along with that. Wrong. Yeah. If it happened here, a lot of people go along with it because that's what life was. Yeah, man. And it's a good point to say that evil is not something that's foreign. It's not something that's crazy. Though it can be. It is something that usually has some motivation that you might very well go, that motivation is correct. Oh, yeah. You're, you're just, your means are not correct. And when we can relate and see that it's more evil systems yeah. instead of just people... It allows for the conversation to be less about us and them and more, okay, how can we change a little bit of the system in order exactly. for people to come together? And that's how the justice system should be, I feel like. Like, a lot of things they do, I know cases where they take 16-year-old kids and give them 20, 30 years in prison, and they get out. They don't know the world no right. more. They were Like, this is a kid. I feel like with some instances, man, you should really take a look at their background. Why are... 16 years old, why are they committing these crimes? Why are they robbing? What's going on with them? Why are they 
like this. Look yeah. at his parents, his mom, his dad. Are they there? What's going on with this with his lifestyle? Don't just judge a book by its cover and say, oh, I'm giving you 30 years, I'm doing this, whatever. That's not defeating a problem. That's, right. that's not helping anything. That's just creating another criminal. Well, and there's this one story. It was a TED Talk uh, guy. Who's, he's a big tech guy at Google, but also the full in-house philosopher. That's yeah. quite the title at Google. And uh, he goes, like a lot of religious groups around here go to prisons. He does a program where he goes to prisons and he teaches ethics mm. and philosophy. And he, um, this one guy stood up who was in prison when he was 16, 17. He shot somebody. And it was like a split-second decision that yeah. changed his whole life. He never thought he was going to wake up that day and kill somebody. And he stood up a bit angrily, upset about it, saying, you don't have to tell me right and wrong. I know I'm wrong. I've been told I've been wrong my whole life. Yeah. And the guy looked at him calmly, the philosopher guy, and said, I know you've been told this, but do you know why? What is right and wrong? Beyond justice systems, beyond laws, what is right and wrong? And a light bulb went off in the guy. I think he now he got like a degree from prison in mm -hmm. philosophy, and he's out and now uh, building a new life. And I think you're right there. A lot of people get chewed up in the system for decisions they didn't think through, they weren't thinking through. Because they never had a chance. You know, yeah. a lot of these people d didn't don't have an education or don't have people in their life telling them, hey, this is what, this is that, uh, hey, this is a decision, this is a route. A lot of people don't have people saying, hey, you could be this. You don't have to resort to that. Uh, a lot of families turn their back on, on other family members who see them heading down the wrong path. Instead of talking to them or instead of stepping in and helping them, man, a lot of people say, oh, he's heading down that path. Let me wash my hands with them. And, and then when it happens, oh, I told you, nah, man, go. I feel like step in and help, you yeah. know, uh, because once the system gets them, the justice system has its way with you, man. Yeah. Well, and I mean, and I've talked to the the district attorney of Montgomery. I've talked to people that are you know top. I've had Kevin Murphy on the show. Yeah, He's yeah. Chief deputy uh, uh, sheriff, and he used to be the police chief of Montgomery. And you know, I I asked those guys like, what's it like when you've realized that you've had to arrest a 13 year old who shot somebody in the back? And they both say, I it's unfathomable. It's like I know what the law is. And I know this kid's life probably had to be utter hell yeah. for him to do that. Yeah. But it's like, what do we do? And I keep coming back to, and maybe it's my path and my beliefs and ideology, my political beliefs. But I've come to a point that the most important things in life are the personal connections. Of course. There, there have to be good laws, um, and I think much fewer and much simpler laws. Uh, but... W Laws aren't going to fix society, and when society, you start trying to fix society with just law and politics, it is not going to go well. Mm, you have, have to change to hearts it. and minds. People have to fix it, man. People's mentalities, and uh, I, it's sad, but it's true, man, and it's simple, but it's so hard. Something simple, but it's hard. It won't change until, like you say, hearts and minds. Till we decide, okay, let me let me change it. Till we decide to do different or think different or 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 help people out or stop being so biased or 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 selfish, and and use our resources to help people, man. Until we do something so as simple as, hey, I care. Yeah, and charitably look for insight. I've learned, especially on, I, I got in some heated arguments, especially on like the book of faces and stuff. Oh yeah, like and it used to be that I wanted to win. I want to win the argument, of course. And I, first off, it made me feel like crap. I usually didn't win. It just it seems so wasteful. 
for, so now I'm on this kick where I need to charitably look for insight, even when I disagree with somebody. Look for where that person is coming from, understand the person, and, and try to figure out, okay, how can I create a relationship with this person? Um, and you try your damnedest. Some folks, uh, they want to fight. And, yeah. But it's, uh, it's key to, I think, understanding people is charitably looking for insight instead of, so often we set up like idols or symbols. Right. And we, instead of insight, we fight over the idol or the symbol, whether oh, to yeah. defend them <laughs> or to conquer them. Man. It, it becomes, it, it dehumanizes people. Yeah, man. That's like, history we're made to fight. We're made to war. That's what it seems like. Yeah. Everything's about war. You're right, I'm wrong. And at the end of the day, I'm going to get my point across. Well, we like to think we're so advanced. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody likes to listen. Everybody wants to talk. Nobody likes to listen anymore. Yeah, well, we're not that advanced. You know, we're not that different than the crowds in the Roman Coliseum watching people being fed to lions. We might go watch it at a movie. So yeah. it actually happens. <laughs> but, but we're it, not different. But as this Equal Justice Center points out, it's only a, a generation ago where people would go to public lynchings. Yeah. So you're not that different than the public executions in the you know for Henry VIII. We're not that different than all throughout history. Something about people makes them group up and scapegoat other people. Right, And right. say, my problems and the world's problems be solved if we destroy you or this. It's crazy, man. It's like watching Gladiator or something, right. man. It's, it's crazy. Have you all seen the Netflix show Seven Seconds? No, no, yeah. Man, I finished watching it last week. Uh, great show, man, uh, with Regina King. Um, it's uh, it's a show about these uh, this this cop who hit uh, hit a kid on a bike. Hmm. Mistake he made, yeah. honest mistake. But instead of calling, you know, authorities, he called his partners, which are other cops, and they tried to cover it up. Hey, the kid's dead, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But the kid, the kid ended up being alive, and uh, in the cover up, man, and then the exposure and the parents and what they were going through, and the prosecutor's office and the DA, and even going to the trial, man. That the show, all ten episodes were 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 compelling, man. It was, it was so good that. The, at, when you got to the end and the lawyer standing, standing there looking at the, the justice system stand, man, and she says, uh, I used to believe in the justice system, you know, mm. blind justice, but it's crazy. I mean, you have to say, I don't want to tell too much of it, but I feel like if you like law, if you like, you know, just real shows, man, heart-drenching shows, you should go check it out. Seven Seconds on Netflix, very good show. Well, and I was thinking of something that changed my mind, a line from a poem, but I can't... Uh I can't think of it off my head. I don't have time to pull it up. But essentially, the idea is uh, that uh, you know we can set up all the systems we want. It comes down to people. Yeah. Individual responsibility. You can't change the world as an individual, but you would be amazed at the ripple effects when you look out for your friends, when you look out for your family. It does have an effect. Oh yeah. It really does help people, um, and we do the best we can. Yeah, we got to so good seas, man. So good seeds. <laughs> Indeed. Well, Dan, we're done. Oh, yeah, man. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for uh, messaging me this morning. I'm, I'm glad. Oh, yeah, man. It's always a pleasure to be on the show. Yeah, well, we can come back. Oh, yeah, yeah anytime. Well, Hopefully next time be on a lighter note. Yeah, we can cut up some next Yeah, time. of course, man. <laughs> oh, we might get in trouble to do that, but I don't mind. <laughs> me neither. I don't mind. Thank you all for listening. I'll be back tomorrow night. I think uh, that weird bearded honky Seth Spotlow will be here. Yep, Seth Spotlow will be here. <laughs>